Okay, we're up to the book of Ayikra. The book of Ayikra generally, not generally, but starts off with matters that concern the Avoda in the Mishkan. You remember at the end of Shemot, we built the Mishkan. And the Mishkan was a place where two important things took place. One was uh, the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and the meeting that Moshe Rabbeinu had with HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the in the Mishkan. The second was Avoda, was the service of God in, uh, in the Mishkan. And that service, or parts of it, are described in the book of Vayikra. Style of the book of Vayikra, the Korbanot, the Kohanim, uh, and then other things that have to do with Tumah and Tahara. So that's what the, the book of Vayikra is. And even though the Minag Israel was that when you took children to the Cheder, uh, the first Chumash that they learned was always Vayikra. Um, it's hard for me to understand how the children could have possibly gotten through this, but the first day was fine because they put honey on the Chumash, which was not so good for the Chumash, but the kids loved it. You know, the, they said, oh, this is Talmud Torah? You just like wipe off the honey, this is for us. But then, when they continued learning uh, Vayikra, I'm not sure they had the same feeling about it. So, we're in, we're in Vayikra. We're in the, the book of Vayikra. And in Vayikra, in the Pasha of Vayikra, um, there is a presentation of the, um, of the Korban Khatat. The thing is a korban chatat, a korban that you bring when you do a chait that has a maaseh that has an action, bishkaga, bishkaga, bishkaga means uh, we always say shkaga. Let's add Shabbat. What is shkaga? Shkaga means either I didn't know it was Shabbos, I didn't, I made a mistake, I thought it was Friday or a different day, I got mixed up. Or, I knew that it was Shabbos, but I didn't know it was forbidden to, uh, to cook on Shabbos. I didn't know that. Look, I grew up in a house where everything was done for me, so I couldn't imagine. I didn't have any idea how the food got to the table. So that's called shogeg. If you do, in, in those, the point is that shogeg never means, I don't know what I'm doing. Shogeg means that you did it on purpose. You wanted to do it, but you didn't know for some reason that you were doing a transgression, that you were transgressing. That's what you, that's called Shogeg. So in the parish of Ayikra, there's a discussion of Shogeg. That if you do an Avera B'Shogeg, you have to bring a Korban Chatat. You have to bring a Korban Chatat. <coughs> Now, the interesting thing, or an interesting uh, fact of uh, Korbanot, the Korban Chatat, is that it divides up amongst different groups. There's a Korban that's brought when all of Am Yisrael make a mistake. There's a Korban that's brought when the Kohen Gadol makes a mistake. There's another Korban that's brought when an Asi makes a mistake. The Torah enumerates all of these possible cases, interestingly enough. 
What we are looking at, what we are looking at is the Pasuk about the Nasi. Now, what exactly a Nasi is, how you get to be a Nasi, is not perfectly clear. But we know that in the Torah, Nasi was the highest official of the Shevet. Right? Nasi was a Shevet-based uh, position. Unlike Melech, later on, uh, that was Am Yisrael. But there are certain similarities that we can draw between the Nasi and the Melech. Because the position of Nasi fell into disuse. And the position of Melech became um, primary. You remember when the, when the Jews came to Shmuel Navi and asked for a king? They said to Shmuel Navi, so they were, the people who came was the Kainim, were the elders, which is another kind of position. An elder is a person who assumes his position because of his uh, learning or because of his uh, 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 personal qualities that he has. But a Nasi seems to be an appointed position, somebody who is uh, responsible politically for a certain segment of B'nai Yisrael. So in this parasha, there's a discussion of what happens, what happens if the Nasi does it. What happens if the Nasi does the, the act of Shogeg? And that pasuk, the pasuk that we're interested in, is here on the, on the sheet that you have in front of you, I hope. That's how the Pasuk starts. Now everybody knows that if you wrote a composition in Kitab Dalit and you started a sentence with the word Asher, the teacher would put a little mark there and say, uh, no, you don't start. You don't start a, a, a sentence with the word Asher. Asher Nasi Yecheta. He did it. He did something that you shouldn't do. Bishgaga. Right? Bishgaga means purposefully. He did it on purpose. But he didn't think he was doing a transgression. The act is certainly attributable to him. He didn't do it while he was sleepwalking. Right? That has another name. In the halakha, that's called mit'asek. Somebody who doesn't know what he's doing. But here, we're talking about a person who knows what he's doing. So, so of course, the question is, the question is, well, why does the Torah have to tell us this? I mean, the nasi is a person. And any person who does this, who does an avera, who transgresses, any person who transgresses has to bring a korban chatat. And isn't it true that the nasi is a person? If he's like everybody else, from that point of view, he has no, he has no uh, 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 license to do things that the Torah prohibits. Certainly not. Which if we were reading the Pasuk, we would say, Not Asher. When the Nasi transgresses, then, and he uh, is guilty, he's found to have done it, Oh, or maybe he finds out on his own that he did it. And he has to bring a korban. He has to bring a korban. So we have like a problem with the structure of the pasuk. 
And we have another problem in general of trying to understand why the Torah had to single out the Nasi uh, for, for his obligation when he should be obligated. Just like the Nasi is obligated on Shabbat. Shmirat Shabbat, or Adachat Tfilet. There's no difference between a Nasi and anybody else in regular, in regular time. So now, Rashi says something that has remained the kind of uh, the, the watchword of this whole, of this whole uh, matter. And everybody knows Rashi. Because everybody knows Ra- all the Rashis, right? So everybody knows this Rashi as well. So Rashi says, quoting the Medrash, Rashi says, Asher is Lashon Ashrei. Now the word Asher doesn't mean anything. You know, it's like one of those uh, little words that's very hard to put your finger on. And very often, if you like leave it out, it means the same thing. It doesn't change the meaning of the Pasuk very much. The word Ashrei is a word in Hebrew. The word Ashrei is different. The word Ashrei means, like, blessed. Someone who is, uh, so, Ashrei Ha'ish, right? Blessed is the man, Ashrei. So Rashi says that the word Asher is not the word that you think it is. But it's a different word. It's the Hebrew word Ashrei. Now, how Rashi knows this, we'll see in a minute. I mean, of course, Rashi gets it from the Medrash. I'm saying how, how we come to this conclusion is this. But first he explains. Ashrei hador shanasishelo notein lev lavi kaparal shigigato. Does imagine that? So we're talking about a nasi who admits his guilt. That's, you know, something. I mean, we, we living in Israel today have some experience with leadership that is not going this direction. Right? So he says, so Rashi says the word in the beginning of the Pasuk is Ashrei. And you have to read it that way. Ashrei. As though it was written, oh, how, how, how wondrous is the generation. But you have to fill in those words. Shenasi yecheta, etc., etc., Vashem. That he admits his guilt and he brings a korban chatat. So this is the Rashi again. Lashon Ashrei. Ashrei Adar Shanesi Shalom Tev Lev Lavi Kaparal Shigigato Kal Vachomer Kal Vachomer Shemitcharet Al Zidonotav Imagine a person who's willing to admit that he did something b'shogeg. Imagine he's willing that same person is willing to admit that he that, that he did something b'meizid that he once transgressed in a way that was uh, really a major offense. It was really a major offense. And we don't know any people like that. At least, we haven't seen them recently. But, you know, we have other kinds of people. So, so along, comes, along comes Rashi. And Rashi says that there's a hidden message in the Pasuk. It's not just, Asher Nasa, Asher Nasi Yecheta, meaning, in the event that this happens. But this is an ethical statement. This is kind of like, you know, ultimate morality. Ashrei ador asher she'anasi she'lo notein lev lavi kaparal shegigato. Now this is interesting. I mean, it says something that you would not ordinarily expect. Now look at the Rashbam, the second source on the page. 
The Rashbab, you remember, was the Rashi's grandson. And, and certainly held Rashi in high esteem of everything he learned. He probably learned from his grandfather Rashi. But he felt, the Rashbam, that there was a dimension of what he calls pshat that could be added to what Rashi said. So let's see what the Rashbam says. The Rashbam says, Kimo v'asher nitan keter malchut b'rosho. Kimo v'cheter malchut asher nitan b'rosho. So in other words, the Rashbam says, there are examples in Hebrew where the word asher comes at the beginning of a clause. That's what the Rashbam says. In other words, what the Rashbam is saying, I mean, without looking into the Psukim, you know, he says, Asher nitan keter malchut birosho, asher, which means keter malchut nitan birosho. It doesn't, doesn't mean asher. The word asher doesn't mean anything in that, in that Pasuk. That's what the Rashbam says. In other words, it's as though the word, the word order is just like turned around a little bit. So he says that the Pasuk, the Pasuk in Esther, right? That Pasuk can be understood by us as But when the Rashbam says that, what does he mean? He, he means that the word asher in the wrong place in the pasuk doesn't mean anything. You don't have to, you don't have to look for a hidden meaning. So that the Rashi, Rashi, the grandfather said, oh, you better look for a hidden meaning. The Rashbam, the grandson said, Lamura. You don't have to look for a hidden meaning because there are other psukim, or at least one other pasuk, where the word asher appears in position number one. But really, in Hebrew, if you would, like regular Hebrew, you would put it in position number four or five, right? I mean, you, you understand? It's not, it's not so much, we're not discussing the grammatical uh, position of the Rashbam. What we are just bringing up is that according to the Rashbam, the drasha of Rashi is not mandatory. According to Rashi, Rashi doesn't give two interpretations. He doesn't say, this is the pshat, or this is the not pshat, as Rashi does methodologically some places. But Rashi sort of says, look, pshat is impossible. You can't say that that word asher belongs in that place in the pasuk. Right? That's why you can't say that. So you have to say that the word asher is like a whole story by itself. Ashrei, hador, shatasishol, the word asher is, is a separate sentence. It's like short for a separate sentence. So that's the machloket that we see between Rashi and the Rashba. Is the word asher special? And therefore it has implications for the generations, for the nasi, for leadership, for all these, these topics that you might talk about? Or is it, uh, is it something that looks a little irregular, but it actually is quite beseder? Uh, uh, you could accept it as it is. Okay? Now, I'd like to look at the Hamek Dover. You see the Hamek Dover after the Rambat. None of who will learn the Ramban. The Ramban is a little... He says, Hamek Dover is the Nitziv, right? Remember, the Nitziv? <coughs> or the Rashiv in Voloshin? 
for 40 years until they closed the yeshiva. That is, the heathen itself closed the yeshiva. Because the, uh, somehow the Russian government was interested in imposing um, regulations on the yeshiva, uh, educational regulations. In Israel they call it liba. In Russia they called it Russian. They wanted the students in the yeshiva to study Russian. And uh, the yeshiva, of course, didn't want, you know, it was, there were two aspects. One is they weren't so interested in studying Russian, but they were also not so interested in, uh, in the Russian government determining what the curriculum should be. That was always seen as being a problem. And you know that the Nitzv tried very hard to keep it open. The Nitzv tried to keep the yeshiva open for a long time. At the end, he was forced uh, to close the yeshiva when he realized that he couldn't negotiate uh, with the... Uh, with the Russian Minister of Education, Ministry of Education. There are many stories about that as well. The Nitziv then moved to Warsaw, and he was buried. Those of you who have gone to uh, you know, the Poland trip, or whatever they call it, which is... The base parrot in Warsaw, you know, the Rav Chaim Soloveitchik, the Briskorov, and the Nitziv are buried together in the same... Same uh, Ohel, a mausoleum, or whatever they call it, so that, and it's standing. I mean, after the war, it didn't, uh, it wasn't destroyed. Some people go and they, you know, it's one of the places to visit. So then Steve wrote a parish on the Chumash, which was, which he wrote actually in a shir that he gave every day after, after Tefillah in the yeshiva. He used to teach Chumash every day, and over time, it became a, a big, uh, a big commentary. And has, uh, and you know, it's quite, it's often very interesting. Often very interesting. So here, the, the Sif says this. Asher nasi echata, that's our pasuk, right? Asher nasi echata. Yadua ha perush, denisiato goremet sheye alul lechatei, or lachto, it should be, kakatava sforno. He quotes the sforno, who says, that, you know, uh, power corrupts. And that if somebody is a Nasi, if somebody is a Nasi, we expect him to transgress. So that the meaning of the Pasuk, Asher Nasi Yecheta, is when he says, like, we know he's going to do it. It's just that, you know, we haven't caught him yet. Right? So, so that's what the Smorno said. It's not only the Asher at the beginning of the Pasuk, but if you look at the end of the Pasuk, it also says, Again, that word Asher creeps in. You don't need all these... Uh, all these ashers. And here it says, Asher lo teasenna bishkaga v'ashem. I mean, referring to the nasi. So now look at the, what the nasib says. Rela merumaz. Da nasiut goremet lachto ba'averot kol kach. Asher lo teasenna bishkaga. There are certain transgressions where you can't say you did it bishkaga. They're so bad that no one would ever say 
that they did it bishkaga. Of something really, uh, really terrible. So again, we're talking about a nasi. We're talking about a nasi. And it says that this nasi, you could expect, what do you expect of a nasi? The worst possible behavior imaginable. I mean, time passes, time passes. Eventually, it's going to come out. It's going to come out that this person is not just, not what you thought he was, but he's really a bad uh, person. So he improved on the Svorno, didn't it see? The Svorno said, the Svorno said, it's a danger, it's, it's always dangerous to be the Nasi because you might, you might be enticed to transgress. And the, the, the Hamek Dovah says, what do you mean enticed to transgress? I mean, you know, you expect the worst from your leadership. You don't expect anything, anything better than actually the worst. Then the worst. Now, there's one, uh, one other thing I'd like to mention before we try to figure this all out. In other words, Asher Nasi we saw Rashi, and now we saw the Nitziv, both of who seem to say that it's sort of, uh, it's going to happen. Rashi says, Rashi says, gee, it's great that he admitted it, because uh, if you're the Nasi, you don't have to admit anything. So we're talking about the Nasi. The Nasi is not coming off so well. Right, the Nasi is not coming off so well. According to Rashi, thank God he admitted it. According to the Sforno, it's inevitable. According to the Hamek Dovar, it's worse than inevitable. It's inevitable that he does something really major. Not just a small, not just a small transgression, but a really major transgression. Now, at the beginning of the same parak of Parak Dalit, the Pasuk says this. Look at the last source on the page. It says, Okay, it's nefesh. Nefesh means a person. We're talking about the Korban Chatat. Every person who sins has to bring a Korban Chatat. Im ha-kohen and if the sinner, right, we spoke before about the Nasi, but if the sinner is a Kohen, Hamashiach, Mashiach means anointed, right, that he's anointed, he's actually functioning as the Kohen Gadol, that's the Kohen Mashiach, Yecheta, Lashmata'am, Lashmata'am, Im Yecheta, Lashmata'am, a difficult, uh, a strange phrase. If the Kohen transgresses, Lashma, Ashma is blame. Ha'am, that somehow the Am is involved in the transgression of the Kohen. Vikriva chatato shel chata, parben bakar tamim lashem lechatat, so he has to bring the korban chatat. That's what the Pasuk says. Now what does Rashi say? Rashi says, Im ha'kohen ha'mashiach yechata lashmata'am, medrash shol. What does Medrashot mean? What does Medrashot mean? What does That it's not Pshat, but it's true. In other words, Pshat means generally. I mean, uh, let's say uh, in parentheses. Pshat means something like, this is what the words mean in the order that they are written. This is what the words mean. Where does Rashi get the Pshat from? How does he know what the Pshat is? He gets it from Chazal. He gets it from Chazal. 
But Chazal have two kinds of comments. They make two kinds of comments according to Rashi. They make a comment called Pshat, which is the explanation of the Pesach as the words are written. And they make another kind of comment that Rashi calls Medrashon. Medrashon means the Chazal are telling me what the Pesach says, but they're not explaining to me how the words are ordered in the Pesach. They're like even taking a word out of context. Possible that that's what they're doing. So Rashi says Medrashon. This interpretation that I'm about to say is a Medrash-type interpretation, which means, according to Rashi, that it's perfectly true. I mean, no doubt. Rashi doesn't have any doubts about the, about the validity of the interpretation. Right? What we said before, Helem Davar means a thing became unknown. Like they, they didn't know the Halakha. They didn't know the halacha. Imshigigat maaseh, and they have to do it. They have to do something wrong, right? That's the kohen. Kemoshin emal l'shmata am v'neelam davar me'enei hakahal va'asu. Okay, that's called. That he calls that medrash show. Yecheta l'shmata am. That somehow they all. This is a communal kind of transgression. And then he says, Pshuto l'fi agada. Pshuto l'fi agada. The simple meaning of the Pasuk is found in this Agadic comment. What? When the, it was the first interpretation is that the Chait is kind of connected to the Am somehow. But the second interpretation is that whose fault is it? The fault of the people. In other words, they get faulted for that. So what does the Pasuk mean? Look again. The Pasuk says, I'm sorry, If the Kohen Mashiach transgresses, Rashi says, the second interpretation of Rashi, And this, what does this create? It creates... Oshma, guilt in the people. How does it create guilt in the people? Because the job of the of the Kohen, Gadol, was to seek atonement for the people. He would daven for them. He was the Rebbe. Right? The Kohen Gadol was like the Rebbe. He was davening for them. But if he himself is guilty, how could he daven for the people? How could he? So, so that's what the words mean according to Rashi. So his hate, his hate of the Kohen Gadol brings Ashma on the people because the people are depending on him to intercede with heaven on their behalf. And now he can't intercede with heaven. He's like faulted. He's, he's, he's marred. He doesn't have, he's not a pure soul anymore. So that that the difference between the interpretation of, of Rashi when it comes to the Kohen Gadol and the interpretation of Rashi when it comes to the Nasi is that the Kohen Gadol the Kohen Gadol is intertwined with his people and if he does something wrong the people suffer whereas the Nasi Adaraba, it sounds more like being a Nasi at least according to Habegdova being a Nasi is what makes the Nasi uh, 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 do the Avera and isn't it wonderful 
that the Nasi is willing to admit that he did something wrong and then bring a Korban Chatat. Right? That's what, those are the two positions in Rashi. One about the Kohen and the other about the, uh, other about the Nasi. Okay, if we turn the page, if you turn the page, I'd like to look at this, uh, I'd like to look at this, uh, um, this article, this, written in a book called Takadat HaShavib, which is a book about Tshuva, that was written by Rav Cohen in Lublin, right? I've mentioned Rav Cohen many times. So Rav Tzadok, besides his Perush on the Chumash, wrote a whole series of other uh, Swarim. I told you that he was not a very successful Rebbe, right? He didn't have uh, hundreds and thousands of Hasidim that came to, to, uh, to him. So he had a lot of time to write Svarim. So we benefit. We today benefit. In fact, there is an... Uh, uh, I forget... The, I mean, there's, a, there's a, a, a project to put out all the writings of Ratzorah Kakoin in, uh, in more... Uh, an easier version, easy to read, and with notes and references... Uh, Etc. Things like that, and uh, they basically have done it. I think they've done the whole thing, except for the pre-tzaddik, except for the chumash. They've done all the other smaller svarim. So here, here the pre-tzaddik is not talking specifically about our parasha, but he's talking about something that he uh, he thinks is true, and he's talking about leadership. That's the topic. The topic is leadership. The leaders that he refers to, the leaders referred to are Moshe Rabbeinu, Eliyahu Hanavi, Yael, Eshet Chever Hakeni. Remember Yael, the one with the uh, who had homicidal tendencies, and she uh, she like did something made her feel good, and Esther. These are the four people that he chose to talk about. Esther Hamalka, right? Four people. Moshe, Eliyahu, uh, Yael, and Esther. And these four people represented to Rav Tzadok a certain aspect of leadership. And he defines it right at the outside of his, um, of his, uh, uh, of his essay. And what he says is this. If you look at line, the first line. He says, that's what leadership is. Leadership is when the hate of the generation, the generation is, uh, let's say they're not careful about certain things. Um, they're, they're not careful about financial matters. They're not balei uh, tzedaka in a sufficient manner. They talk too much Lashon Hara. It says the Nasi, the leader, suffers as though he himself did that hate. In, in other words, as a concept, it's the opposite of what Rashi said about the Kohen. The Rashi, Rashi said that the people suffer from the transgression of the Kohen. The Rav Tzodok says, Rav Tzodok says, the Kohen or the Nasi or the leader suffers from the transgression 
of the people. That's called leadership. Leadership is not like... Uh, I remember they asked the Prime Minister when he entered into office what the job of Prime Minister was. And his answer was that you have to keep things moving. You move the papers around, you know, you, you know, get an inbox and an outbox. That's not Rav Tzorik. Rav Tzorik says, Kol like when, the, when the, the difference between the Nasi and one of the people is that the people just cry for their own transgressions. But the Nasi has to cry for the transgressions of the people. Because he's got them in it's like It's like, Kol Yisrael Arevim Zelazeh. Right? There's this idea, Kol Yisrael Arevim Zelazeh. Remember, Arvut, there's this idea. When it came to Eretz Yisrael, Bnei Yisrael became Arevim Zelazeh. So the Rishonim explained him in the Ritva says, how can it be Kol Yisrael Arevim Zelazeh? What does that mean? So he says this, if somebody doesn't do a mitzvah, it's at least, it's similar, or it's the same as my not doing the mitzvah. It's not like him, there's a, there's a I and thou, but it's all I. It's all I, and so that, that when, uh, when I see somebody's Mechal Shabbos, so I feel it's as though I was being Mechal Shabbos. I mean, I can't take it. I can't take it, not because I don't understand that, that he uh, uh, has a problem, or he grew up in a certain way, or he never knew about Shabbos. I mean, okay, I understand all of that. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't cause pain. And for the Nisi Hador, all the Averis, of all the people, I didn't say about the Chavetz Chaim, the Chavetz Chaim used to, you know, the Chavetz Chaim was not a Hasidish Rebbe. So you could assume that the stories they tell about the Chavetz Chaim were probably true. Because the Chavetz Chaim, or, or the Chavetz Chaim didn't ever want to let anybody tell stories about him. Like that wasn't his interest. But the Chavetz Chaim used to daven, like you say, Tikkun Chatzot, you know, that, that's davening at an odd hour, Tikkun Chatzot. And he used to talk to the Rebbeinu Shlomo about the state of, of Am Yisrael. And he would try to claim, you know, to, to straighten things out, so to speak. I mean, of course, in Hasidus, that's a very important thing. So you hear about the Baditshava, you know, did that all the time. But the Chavetz Chaim also did. This is Nasi, somebody who feels the weight of responsibility. Feels the fact that, uh, uh, that B'nai Yisrael is not as they should be. That they're not living up to the standards that they should live up to. And then he says, That all of Am Yisrael is like, it's like, Komash Lema means a, a complete wall, right? There's a, it's, we're all connected to each other. But this is also, also a, a, a statement that's made about HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the Kabbalah. So we say that, that Kol Am Yisrael What you mean is that that whatever unity means, right? You know, people like to use the word unity as though it's an easy word and everybody understands it. But in fact, it's not always so easy, and it's not true that everybody understands it. Unity. So, so that there is a unity, right? There's we're all connected. We're all connected to each other. That's called Kol and Rosh Hador Kolel Kol Hador Parnas Lefi Hador Ki Right, so every so so the guy at the top, the Nasi, he's a person. He's a person who feels every everything that's going on in Am Yisrael. 
And so now he goes and he says, I want to tell you about Moshe Rabbeinu. He, Rav Tzodok, Rav Tzodok, I want to tell you about Moshe Rabbeinu. On the fourth line, Kishvirat Moshe Rabbeinu haluchot b'chait Yisrael ba'egel, shegam, shezeh gam chait me'en dugma, avul hu kivun l'shem shamayim. In other words, like, Moshe Rabbeinu brought, broke the luchot. But how can you defend that? How can you defend the... I mean, he got the luchot from heaven. I mean, can you imagine? God gives you luchot and you take them down to the... You know, down the mountain and then you break them. I mean, it's hard to... Uh, it's hard to fathom. He says, Shamulo achakach yishar kol chachashashibarta. This is the Gemara. The Gemara in Shabbos, not Pesai and Amir Aleph, but also Rashi quotes this at the end of the Chumash. Yishar kol chachashashibarta. The Kodesh Bogle said to Moshe Rabbeinu, Wow, that's great. You know, Yishakoyach, you broke the Luchot. What does that mean? As pa'al slicha v'kapara gam Yisrael. Because slicha and kapara, atonement, worked also for Yisrael. Ki nitbarer degem chata'am ayaka'ena v'ralishma. Because somehow the Avera, it was clarified. The Avera, what was the Avera? The Chet Egel. What was the Chet Egel? It looks like a Bodhisattva. But why was it that they built the Egel? Why do we say they built the Egel? Because they were missing something. Right? Like Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't there. And, and so, so really they, they wanted something good. They wanted the closeness. I mean, they just did it in the wrong way. So what does atonement mean? Atonement means to clarify that something is not, is not totally bad. But something that's totally bad that has no, that cannot be redeemed, there's no, uh, there's no kapara, there's no atonement. But Moshe Rabbeinu, when, 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 the, when Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu, that means that, that the, what was the alternative? What was Shibarta? What happened when Moshe Rabbeinu broke the Luchot? It meant that the process had not been completed. What was the other possibility? The other possibility was you took the Luchot and put them someplace else. Say, okay, we're finished. This, this uh, relationship is over. We'll start some new relationship. But Moshe Rabbeinu said, no. Because of the Shviat Luchot, that was a hate. It was also to do it, but it clarified. It clarified something about the people and what they did so that Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu, in an act of leadership, did an Aveira. That's how the Rapsodic sees it. That when you say that Moshe Rabbeinu did something wrong, he didn't do anything wrong because he preferred that he did it in order to exercise his leadership. Let's look at the next case. Line 9. That Moshe Eliyahu, you know, gave a sacrifice on Har Carmel near Haifa, when it was forbidden. Shutei chutz are forbidden. You're not allowed to sacrifice outside of Yerushalayim after the Beit Hamikdash is built. Avuhu asam eforash bidvar Hashem ulshem shamayim. So it's it's an avera that he did. But we call that, and the Gemara calls that, Horat What does Horat mean? Horat means, right, it's something that, 
It's, it's a momentary demand. That somehow, sometimes leadership demands that you do an Avera in order to save the people. And that's what he did. And that's a possible. He like Eliyahu said to God, you did it. Look, they all paid attention. You confused them. You allowed the Nevi'a Baal to run around in Eretz Israel and make this kind of confusion. But you see that when I stand up and I say I'm going to sacrifice to God, then people pay attention. So that's why Eliyahu Navi was able to say that. So you see that sometimes the Avera, the transgression, which is connected to the way the people are, and becomes the only way that you can uproot them from their connection to this, uh, this transgression. Now if you look at uh, line 27, now Esther was in a leadership position. She did an Avera Lishma. She transgressed, but only for the good of the people. What is Kasha Avadati Avadati? She said, I'll go to see the king. I'll, I'll listen to you, Mordechai. I'll go to see the king with Kasha Avadati Avadati. But what does the Medrash say? Even though I'm going to do this Avera, even though I'm going to transgress, and I'm going to live with Achashverosh, I'm doing it, I'm doing it for the people. I'm not doing it for myself. However, I'll be judged. I will be judged. I mean, after all, I guess she really deserves, on the one hand, she deserves to be wiped out, to be killed. Then if Elet Legoy, she's going to live with this non-Jew, she's El Tachlita Timua Ben Agoyim, Shednikraim Ovdim, Kemoshinema Ovdim, Eretz Ashur, Alotam Shednitmu Ben Ha'amim. Okay? That's, that's what she, that's what he has to say about, about Esther. And now if you go to line 37, the last word, Esther, Shekol kavanata l'shem shamayim, u'latzalat kol Yisrael, b'gzerat, b'gzerat l'ashmid u'labed, i'efshar, shehi tovat chas v'shalom, aval hi tikne b'zeh kol Yisrael, shechatu az b'shtach v'yalat selim. So the idea is this. You've all heard that Chazal say, David HaMelech lo chata. Right? That David HaMelech did not transgress. And anybody who says that David HaMelech transgressed simply does not understand what is going on. And Rav Tzodok is explaining to us the following. Rav Tzodok is saying, look, what is leadership? What is leadership? He says, leadership has two aspects that we have to recognize in order to understand what's going on in the world of the Tanakh. 
All these examples are examples from the Tanakh. It says that what's going on in the world is that first, the state of the nation affects the state of the leader. And the leader is sometimes a recognized leader, like Moshe Rabbeinu, and might sometimes be an unrecognized leader, like Esther Hamalka, who becomes a leader, the leader of the moment, right? The kind of charismatic leadership. So there's the Moshe Rabbeinu leadership, and there's the Esther Hamalka leadership. The other aspect of leadership, the other aspect of leadership that is... Uh, uh, that Rav Sadok describes is that sometimes in order to pull Am Yisrael out of their difficult situation, right, in order to pull Am Yisrael out of their difficult situation, it's necessary it's necessary he's not an Israeli so it's not, my whole story doesn't fit in. <laughs> but, again, a leader has these two qualities. On the one hand, he is, he is overwhelmed by the state of Am Yisrael. He suffers because Am Yisrael is not sufficiently accepting of its responsibilities. On the other hand, he recognizes that in order to save Am Yisrael, you've got to do something that's extraordinary. You've got to be in a position where the basic attitude and the, 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 the way of thinking about things, Am Yisrael, is going to be changed. How do you do that? How do you change that attitude and that, that way of doing it? You've got to do something sometimes which is a, called a transgression. You've got to do something that's unacceptable. The only way that Am Yisrael, you'll be able to get Am Yisrael's attention is by doing something unacceptable. So again, Moshe Rabbeinu came down from Arsene and he broke the Luchot. And by breaking the Luchot, which was a transgression, he managed to capture everybody's attention. Everybody understood that they had done something terrible. And that it was possible for them, even in that state, even in that state, to do tshuva. To, to, to atone their sin, or to demand or request atonement, which they received after a fashion. Esther Hamalka, Esther Hamalka realizing that the only way that she could save Am Yisrael from Haman and his intentions was to have some sort of special relationship with the Chashverosh. And even though a special relationship with the Chashverosh, even though a special relationship with the Chashverosh is certainly forbidden, it's certainly Asur, nevertheless, she understood that there was no other, that there was no other option. So according to Rav Tzorok, Asher Nasi Yecheta, right, this Pasuk, Asher Nasi Yecheta, According to Rav, I mean, Rav Sadiq doesn't mention the Pasuk. I'm just using Rav Sadiq to explain the Pasuk. Asher Nasi Yecheta. Doesn't mean that the Nasi is going to commit a, a sin. No. Because you don't get to be the Nasi if you're not a superior personality. 
And if you're a superior personality, you don't do chata'im. And if you do chata'im, if you did something wrong, so you straightened it out between you and God. You go to the Beit HaMikdash, you give a korban chata'im. That's not the story. The story is when the Nasi is, has this weight of hate upon him. When does he have the weight of hate upon him? When B'nai Yisrael have the weight of hate upon them. So we saw that these two ideas of leadership exist. One has to do with the Kohen Gadol, where the Kohen Gadol represents the nation in pleading their case to heaven. And if the Kohen Gadol, the Kohen Mashiach, sins, then all of Am Yisrael is in trouble. Because the Kohen Gadol cannot uh, uh, bring the case to, to God in the proper way. Asher that's the opposite the Pasuk is talking about. The Pasuk is saying that if the Nasi bears the weight of the hate of Am Yisrael, it's as though he did it himself. And he has to find atonement, has to find atonement for the hate. And finally, the question of whether David HaMelech Chata, or David HaMelech Lo Chata, we always say, everybody says, I mean, it says in the Psukim that David HaMelech Chata, I mean, you just read it. So you say, well, on the other hand, if the Tanakh was interested, and probably was, you know, interested in whitewashing David Amos, they would leave it out. Why would they say that David Amos Chata? So Chazal came along and said that you have to look at David Hamelech differently. You can't look at David Hamelech like a regular person. Uh, I mean, you can, but it's not so interesting. It's not so interesting to look at David Hamelech and say, so what was David Hamelech? David Amelech was a person whose actions and reactions were defined by the state of Am Yisrael. And if Am Yisrael needed something, so he would provide them with it. And if Am Yisrael needed a, a king, an inheritor of the mantle, and if so, for some reason Bathsheba had to be the mother of, of that king, so that's what had to happen. That's what had to happen. There was no other, no other person. That's what Chazal say when they say David Melch Lo They don't mean that he didn't do what it says he did. It means that even in you know that the Nasi and the Melech may have a different way of looking at it. I mean, he may be operating on a different on a different plane. It may be you know what seems to some people to be uh, uh, un, unacceptable is for other people not only acceptable but becomes necessary. It's a necessary act of, uh, so that, that we see all of these ideas. We see these ideas. Rashi explains the Pasuk about the Nasi as a reference to the Nasi and how nice is it that we have uh, the Siyim who are willing to admit their own guilt. The Rashbam says, the Rashbam says, well, the Pasuk doesn't really say anything of great significance. You can word, move the word Asher around. The Hamegdovar says that that Pasuk refers to the fact that it's not an easy job to be a Nasi. And the people who are in the Siim usually uh, fall into traps of one kind or another. Rashi and the Pasuk about the Kohen Gadol says that um, the relationship between the Kohen Gadol, God, the people, 
suffer if the Kohen Gadol is not able to daven on their behalf. And finally, the uh, the Kakonas Ashovim, Rav Tzodok says, Rav Tzodok says that the Siim, the Siim are people who operate on a different level. They're not just uh, involved with their own status before heaven, but the but the um, but the Siim of the generation are the generation. They are the, they have this responsibility. They have this responsibility. I always said that. You know, like people wonder, you know, they used to ask me, like, how do you know so-and-so is the God of Hador? You know, people like that. Today, it's a little different because um, somehow they told me, they taught the Karyanim on the radio that there's such a thing as God of Hador. So they say it. They don't know exactly what they mean. Now, there's an interesting question. How do you know who the God of Hador is? I mean, how do you... I mean, everybody, we all have this responsibility, right? If the God of our says something, so we have to listen. But no one ever told us how we know who the God of our is. So we know that there are some people who are very smart, and they know a lot. But not everybody who's very smart and knows a tremendous amount is necessarily the God of our I mean, what makes somebody the God of our So it seemed to me that when I was uh, when I was growing up in America, it was very simple. And then because of the bounty of Eretz Yisrael, it's a little more complicated. But in Eretz Yisrael, in America, I remember when I grew up, there were two people who took responsibility. One was Reb Moshe Feinstein, and the other was the Lubavitcher Rebbe. They took responsibility. Who did they take responsibility for? Everybody. That doesn't mean that they're always able to solve everybody's problems. It doesn't mean that they're always able to change everybody's life, you know, into something better. I don't mean that. What I mean is they saw themselves, I think, as responsible. They were held responsible. Somebody called up Ramosh Feinstein and asked him a silly question. He answered. He didn't say, I don't answer silly questions. I don't deal with fools. He answered the question. Because he accepted that responsibility. It didn't matter who the call came from. The Babacher Rebbe somehow accepted the responsibility for Claudius Israel. I mean, I don't know exactly how that happened. But he sent out these people. He had these agents who went out all over the world. And he said, take care of the Jews. And they did. They did. So... I mean, whether it worked or it didn't work, it's a good idea, it's better, we're not talking about that, right? Just talk about the fact that it's not very common to see that somebody will say, okay, I'm responsible for the whole thing. And all the Jewish people, I'm, I'm responsible. So that, those are the two people. And Eretz Yisrael, because, because everything is highly politicized, I don't know if you've noticed that. So even, even this topic of uh, Gedolim, who the Gedolim are, has also like political factions. My faction, we have these Gedolim, those factions, you have those Gedolim. And in fact, every faction has Gedolim cards. Which is, uh, you know, I think is really remarkable. But, but uh, in fact, in fact, they surely are Gedolim. And the way that, uh, that I think, the suggestion that I have for recognizing Gedolim is... They take responsibility. 
And the pain, the pain of Am Yisrael is their pain. They're not just uh, clever operatives. Not just people who, can, uh, who know a lot and who are able to say clever things. But they're really people who suffer when Am Yisrael is not as it should be and who are willing to try to move Am Yisrael in a better direction. That's nothing to do with success. You don't have to be successful. I mean, Halabai, everybody should be successful. But I think that that's what Gedolim are. And this is a refraction of what Rav Tzavik said about leadership. Let me just like, read, the, read the line again. At the beginning of, uh, the beginning of uh, this piece, he says, Kol chet ador tzarich liot gam berosh ador shemitz vimeh. And it says, Rosh Hador is that person. Is the person who is in, who's pained by the fact that other people are Mechalal Shabbos. But the person, the other person who sees it as a, as a political opportunity, as an opportunity to, like, let's get together and have a, uh, and uh, picket, picket the, these guys, or do they, you know, like, get it, you know that, that not all the people involved in any of these things, whatever side you're on, are entirely pure. But the Nasi, the Rosh Hador, what he calls the Rish Rosh Hador, he's pure. He's really in pain when he sees that other people are Mechalel Shabbos. So this goes back to the two Pesukim that we saw in our parsha. One posting about the Nasi and the other posting about the Kohen and Mashiach. Have a good job.